You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Megan Turner. struggling a little bit, huh? Okay. My name is Megan. I'm one of the lead pastors here, and it's such a privilege to be doing this this Sunday morning. I'm really excited. I have a fun announcement before we get started in the message this morning. Uh, During COVID, we kind of had to take our classrooms. We had a smaller number of volunteers that were able to come, a smaller number of children. So we took classrooms, and we had to combine them um, with covid farther behind us. Amen. Yes. And um, so getting more volunteers and more kids in Kids, we have now taken our classrooms and we've had to split them. So this morning, as you guys were dropping them off, where we would have like fours and fives together, we're able to split them into their own age group. So it's a good thing. Be patient with us as we're kind of figuring all that out. Um, and it's, it is something to celebrate and be excited in it. So new classrooms for your kids, which um, I'm excited because then we get to we get to have more intimate time with them. We get to have smaller classrooms and get to know them and put God's word in your child's heart, which is such a blessing. So we're excited about that and what's happening in this series. I'm excited about this series because um, I feel like that in this day and age, it's hard to be certain of things. There are things that uh, I feel like, like it's ever changing. And so you can be uncertain and not know. And I would like to talk to you to, this morning about something that you can be certain of, something that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that is unshakable. And that's, it's hard. I, I have, we have three daughters. I have, um, I have a teenager. She is going to be 15 in two months. She's a whole teenager. Yeah, you know, do y'all know what I mean when I say she's a whole teenager? Then, in addition to a whole teenager, I have two whole preteens, um, two whole preteens, all girls. And so, just let me tell you, they they know so much. They they their knowledge is so expanded. I don't have to really know a lot. Um, so things that I thought that I knew, they're sometimes cause me to question. Um, like the other day, or they'll say stuff like this in a nice way, but just, you know, I'm certain that I like this pair of shoes with an outfit. And, and then they will say, so you're going to wear those shoes, huh? I'm like, well, I, I thought I was certain that I like those, but now I'm not sure. I'm not. Or this, this was what one of them said to me the other day. I, I got a new necklace and she was like, is that a new necklace? And I was like, yeah, do you like it? She was like, I mean, you're definitely a whole vibe right now. <laughs> and I was like, a whole vibe. What is, I'm a, is that good? And, and so I, there's, some, there's things that are ever changing in society and in culture. And so I feel like it is really good to have things that are solid truth, that are not changing, that we can be certain of. And so I want to talk to you um, about a guy some some uh, scripture verses that are written from a guy named Paul. Now Paul was comes on the scene and he was not a Christian. He didn't have a relationship with the Lord. Actually, he was just the opposite. He had done some pretty treacherous things to Christians and had treated them really poorly. And he has, he's, he's on the road, the, the road is called the road to Damascus. And he has a supernatural encounter with 
with the Lord. And so his life is drastically changed. He does a full 180. He's heading in this direction, and now he's, he's going in a different direction. And he passionately goes after people and telling them about Jesus. Really, the church that we know today, um, and is so, there's so much credit given to Paul because he fought very hard to preserve the word of God and to help establish the church in the early days. And so this is some of the writings that we're looking at from Paul. Um, Paul says this in Hebrews 6, 19. He says, we have this hope as an anchor for your soul, firm and secure. Now, when I read that from Paul, what makes me really excited is that there is something that can firm up and sure the soul. When you look at how we are made as human beings, there's a body, which is like our physical body, our five senses, like what we smell and what we see and we taste and we hear. And then there's our soul, and which is our, our thoughts and our mind and our emotions, the way we feel. And, um, and then when you are a Christian, then there is a spirit side of us. And when you're a Christian and you ask Jesus into your life, now his spirit lives inside of you. And what Paul is talking about here is there is a way that your soul is anchored because it's feeding from your spirit. And so now where oftentimes, I don't know about you, but my soul can be awfully shifty. Like my thoughts, and it's not just because I am a middle-aged female. I know every young male, old male in this room, yours can be that way too. It's, it's part of being a human that we can get in our minds and our thoughts can run rampant. Somebody said to me um, uh, this, this morning, they said the, the every, every morning, what do they say, ants, um, all negative thoughts. And ants just come, and it's always negative thoughts that are just running rampant, if starting first thing in the morning. <clears throat> so there's a way that Paul is talking in this verse, and he says, there's a way which is in addition from just being a Christian. When I ask Jesus into my, my life and I become a Christian, then I, I am going to heaven. I am saved. But then there's a way that you grow in maturity and establish a life in him and who he is that now doesn't just check the box that I'm going to Christian going to heaven, but there's a way that my soul is anchored so it's not as shifty and as all over the place. And for me, that feels very good because the enemy's playground is in our soul. It's where the enemy, God's arch enemy, wants to tell you things about yourself that are not true and make you feel things that are constantly off, right? And so, so Paul's talking about this. And so when you read this, I'm thinking, okay, Paul, I know my soul is not dependable, so what is it that anchors your soul? What is it that gives you this level of hope? Um, and if you can visualize with me, now oftentimes we think of an anchor when I say the word, if you visualize anchor. <clears throat> Paul is not talking about the anchors that we know today. Paul is talking about an anchor that they would have used back then and they would have taken a basket, put it in the water, and then taken a rope and tied it to the boat and then they would fill it with rocks. So this would have been the anchor that Paul was talking to. So I want you to visualize this with me. There is something in my soul that is so weighted, that gives me so much hope that storms of life are going to come. That is going to come no matter what. But there's something on the inside of me that is so weighted in you that it gives me hope that no matter what happens, I, I, I can be secure with this hope. Now, 
I don't know about you, but the fact that Paul is the one writing this also gives me a lot of hope because Paul had a lot of trials that he went through. I, I am almost 40 years old and I've had three kids. That means if I go to the gym, I do not need a 19-year-old fitness instructor that's never had children tell me how to get in shape, right? Bless them. They've got it. But I don't feel like they're going to be as understanding as to what I've got going on, right? Does that make sense? Like I got like a few older women over here. They are just amen and that's the hardest I've heard. So, so you would say, I need someone that has been through something. So they're speaking out of life experience. Paul has been through some really rough stuff. Paul has been tortured. He has been in prison. He has been kidnapped. Paul has been uh, shipwrecked. He's been bit by a venomous snake. The man has had some really difficult trials in his life. And so it's out of this experience that Paul's talking that I've got a, a hope that anchors me. So you're like, Paul, what is it? My soul is shifty. I can get in my head. I can get in my thoughts and my feelings. What is it that you have? Can you please tell me what you have? Because I know you've experienced this. I mean, Paul says <clears throat> this, um, and he's writing these verses, and he wrote this. When you look at some of the stuff that he wrote, he wrote this from prison. Paul says this, um, for I, well, let me start back. He states this in Ephesians. His goal that we might know the love of Christ, which is beyond all knowledge and be so filled with the utter fullness of God. So how do we become this filled? Look at all of the other writings that Paul has. He says this in Philippians uh, 1.19. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened, is this making noise? Yes. Luke says yes. Y'all say no. We're going to take this off. <laughs> For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Do you see that word I know? For I know. Now when Paul wrote this, he is in prison. Sitting in a nasty, dark, wet, rat-infested prison. And he's writing a letter and he says, I know this. I know this. In Romans 8, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And so I'm asking Paul, I'm like, all things? Are you certain, Paul, that God can take everything? I mean, my, life, my broken pieces, the dysfunction in my life, the things that I've messed up, all of my life circumstances, you're certain that all of those things, you can make them work together for good. He is certain. Philippians 1.25. He is convinced. I'm convinced of this. I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith. He's writing to a church from prison and he's saying, I, I know this. I'm convinced and I know. What kind of hope is he giving from such a dark place? And when you look at all these things, what it looks like that Paul has that is anchoring his soul, a hope that's anchoring his soul, is a handful of I knows. He knows some things that are anchoring him in life's toughest times. So what do you know? What, what is it that you are 100% certain of? Because we too are called to something great. We are called to this life of impact and a life that is filled with joy and with hope and with purpose. 
And so if that too is my calling, then I need to know, I want the handful of I knows because what we know is what anchors us. And so let's look at this morning, I want to look at some of the things that Paul knows. And when you go on and read that verse in Hebrews, Paul is referencing and, and where he pulls this from, which would be really funny, uh, real fun to go into the deep study of it. But he, he's referencing back to the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And I'm, I'm not going to pull all of that out for the sake of, of time and service. Um, I'm just going to pull with you, I'm going to go through with, with you the I knows. But it, it is from that he's referencing the tabernacle. Um, here's some of the stuff that he knows. Number one. One of the things that Paul knows is that God is good. God is good. The moment that you hear that, I feel like oftentimes people think, okay, well, if God is good, then the enemy wants to immediately tell me, well, then bad things are happening. Why are bad things happening? That's immediately the thought. And what you need to figure out in your head that you need to know is that who he is is a good God. When God made Adam and Eve and he put them in this world, he gave them a choice. Out of the goodness of who he is, he gave Adam and Eve a choice to choose him. And they didn't. They chose the opposite. They chose a world where sin enters in. And when sin enters in, then fallen stuff happens. We are fallen people. Sin is rampant. We have a fallen genetic system, so now sickness and illnesses. But you cannot take the fact that we live in a sin ridden, fallen world and negate the fact that he is a good God. Because it was out of the goodness of who he is that he gave us this choice. And there's something in all of life circumstances that we go to, that we go through, that we need to know who the God Almighty is a good, good God. First Thessalonians says this, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so those that have passed away. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. This is saying, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that we have to deal with in life. There is going to be death. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be struggle in our finances. There's going to be depression and anger and anxiety and addiction. And all of the things that you go through, there's a way that we get to go through that and go through our struggles that is different than how everybody else goes through it. Because there's a hope at the end of the day, because our God is a good God. There's a goodness in, the, in who he is. Um, Luke and I were on our way home um, not too long ago on 526. And Luke was having, he had a herniated disc. And so he, had, he was having surgery. And it was just, it was a difficult season because he couldn't really move his left arm at all. And he was in a lot of pain. And we were riding down the road on 526, and speaking of, like, getting in your head and getting kind of squirrely in your head, I'm not crazy about bridges. They don't rule my life. I don't avoid them. But they're not my favorite. Um, they could get in my, my thoughts a little bit. And so although I have control over it because I have hope in who God is, I do sometimes mention to Luke that we probably shouldn't drive on the outside of the bridge. We should probably drive on the inside when we're going over 526 with such a low side rail. Um, and so, but I was driving because his arm, and he was on a lot of medication to, for that. And um, so I'm driving. So I'm on the inside lane, and traffic was pretty heavy. And we, there is a gas can in the middle of the road. And it wasn't like a, a normal size, like a gas can. It was a huge red gas can that somebody had, had dropped on the side of the road. I, there's the wall on this side, lots of traffic on this side. A solid 60 miles per hour over the bridge, there was nothing I could do, so I run right over the gas can. 
like by the time I saw it. And so I, I remember whenever I was in high school, a, a van that had like five grown men in it flipped off of that bridge. So I, I got a little panicky when that, like the car wasn't driving right and it felt funny. So we get to the bottom of the bridge and I pull over. Um, and I get out and I tell Luke, cause he, he's on medicine and have surgery. So I'm like, don't move. You just stay right there in the passenger seat. So I get out and it's dusk. So it's not quite dark, but it's almost dark. So I'm like, please, dear Jesus, don't let somebody not see me and hit me. And I, I've been down and like stuck in the wheel well, like in between the wheel and the car is this giant gas can and I can smell gases leaking everywhere. I pull and push and kick, and I mean, it is not slightly budging. It's not going anywhere. And so I noticed when I would reverse, like when I pull forward, the wheel isn't even spinning. Like it's got it just stuck. So I was like, well, I guess I guess we'd call somebody. Within two seconds of me being back out after I had tried this, this truck pulls up, and this guy gets out, and he starts trying to get it to get it. He's got a crowbar. He's got a knife. And, of course, I'm like, dear Jesus, please don't let him. Right? So I'm like, well, you just had those things in your car. Um, <laughs> but um, so, and so I, so he, but y'all, he couldn't get it and he worked. So then he cuts the gas tank, like cuts it all the way around so that we can flatten it. He flattens it. He drive it forward, drive it back. He works for a very long time, like way past the time I would have just said, this isn't going to work. We, we've got it. You know, he worked so hard to get it gone. And, and fix the, resolve the tire. We leave. We're like, let me pay you. Luke, he insists he doesn't want any money. Luke insists that he takes some money. He gives us his name. We leave. I can't find him anywhere. We, I mean, I looked. How hard did I look to try to find I'm like, I, we've got to give this guy a good review. I mean, he just pulled over and fought. He was like, I just started a roadside emergency assistance service this week. I'm like, you just this week? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, like did you just start it because this worked out well? Or <laughs> like... Um, and he's like, no, I just started it. And so I, I, I want to tell everybody about how sweet he was and how hard he fought. I mean, he worked for a really long time to get this straight. Can never find him. Can't find his business. Can't find his name. I've looked. I've called around. I've asked. He said he was on Facebook. He's not on Facebook. So I'm like, God, I don't know who he was. But even when I look at the little things, like truly for me in my my emotions, my soul that's sketchy, it was a scary moment. And I'm like, God, you're just so good. Like, you're just good. And how often do things like that happen? And, and I don't think to myself, that, that truly, I believe, was just out of the goodness, out of the God, the Father's heart. Because it's, sometimes it's really hard to believe God is good when the vision of authority that has been in our life wasn't good. And so to understand that the good things that come in life and come my way, when, when I begin to, to tie my soul onto those kind of things of who you are. Now, when I, when I have loss and I lose somebody, there, there's, a, there's a way that I don't struggle as much because I know what's going to be afterwards. I know there's a hope at the end. When I'm on the side of the bridge, there's a God that is looking after me that is just good. And, and when I anchor myself to that, when that's a rock in my basket, Life's different. It's fun because in Psalms it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's an invitation that he says, come and have that relationship with me where you get to experience how good I am. I know we live in a fallen world and bad things happen, but don't be blinded by the sin and the enemy that's running on this world. Don't, don't let yourself not see how good I am in your life. To come 
to come and see who I am. Um, it's just an invitation that I don't think any of us want to miss. It's how good God is. The second I know that Paul has that I think that we need to anchor ourselves to is that his word is truth, that God's word is truth. There's a way that you live knowing what scripture says that anchors you because what the world says is ever-changing. And there is no absolute and there is no truth. And this way one day and this way the other day. And what happens when that is what we are tied to is when storms come, then something happens when we're tied to, to stuff that is of not scripture that begins when storms come. So there's a blowing that happens in the storm. And so then every storm that comes is an, it's an unsteadying thing for your thoughts and your emotions. And so what there are important things in here, but it's not something that we should tie ourselves up to, to anchor us, like your job and like money and the house that you live in and the, and the things that the world would like to put a light on and say, that these are the things that matter and this is what is important and the way you feel is the mo the way you feel is truth. If the way we feel, if that's what we anchor ourselves to, then I mean, we're literally like helicopters, right? Right? I mean, it's just, especially like once a week for every female. Can you imagine if you are your truth, if you are your feelings? I mean, we're all over the place. That can, and, and for a man, there's a, this level of, of what I do and my success and my job. And at the end of the day, jobs get lost. They do. And so, but when that's, when that's what we're anchored to, then where is your hope? Then, it's, then the storms come and, the, and there's a wishy-washy bit. When I know the word of God and that is my reality, then, you know, Jesus died for you. And so when you give your life to him, he owns you. You're his. You're his property. And the enemy doesn't get to trespass on God's property. But if you don't know what the word of God is, how do you know when what's coming in your head and in your thoughts and your how do you know when that's not of God? You have to know his word so that you can be grounded so that that's your hope. Like whenever you hear things like John 3, 16, one of the most popular scripture verses, most, most well-known scripture verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We've heard it. We've said it. But do you understand that really when that thing drops down and becomes your anchor, when the word of God that is true, that verse now expresses the gravity at which he loves you. He loves you enough to give, in spite of the fact that, that we live in this messed up world and that we chose this, and he loves you enough to make a plan to give Jesus so that you then can come back to him. That, that is the, so now when I read his word and the enemy wants to try to convince me of my self-worth and my job and my status and all of this, no, 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 that doesn't matter because that's not what I'm anchored to. God so loved me, that's my hope. That, or whenever you look at Romans and it says this, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So now that verse, when that verse becomes my reality, you know what that says? With all of my shortcomings. Like he came and gave his life for me, knowing every, in every way that I didn't measure up. 
And so, but how often does the enemy want to play on our, our emotions and, and our thoughts and the, because we're not enough? We don't make enough. We don't do enough. We, we're, we always feel like we're in our rat race and we feel like we're behind. But this says that he did what he did while we were yet sinners and he was very aware of that. And now that becomes much. So now when the enemy starts trespassing and telling me things that are not true, now I have something to combat that with. Or Psalms 34 says this, those who look at him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Do you carry shame? Do you carry it? Because when that, when we're anchored to God's word and we know that his word is truth, then shame has no place in my, I, I don't get to feel guilty or ashamed for the past mistakes that I've made. I, I get to, I, that gets to be a storm that doesn't move me. That, that gets to be something that I'm not affected by. I want to tell you a story. Um, it's a story about a guy, and he was a, a pastor. They called him Father O'Malley. And Father O'Malley was in Alaska, and he was up in the mountains, and this massive storm comes. And um, so everybody kind of hunkered down. It was like the, the conditions weren't good. You could, there's no visibility, so you couldn't see. And the wind was like 50 miles per hour. So... Everybody had kind of planned on hunkering down for the next two or three days. He gets a call around midnight from a hospital that was about 30 miles away. And it was one of the nurses that went to his church. And she said, Father, we've got a guy here that I really would like for you to come see if you can make it. She said, he's been coming to the hospital for the last two or three years. He's an alcoholic and he's really struggling. And he's been struggling, but I don't think he's going to make it past tonight. Um, and he doesn't know you. He doesn't know or he doesn't know Christ would you come and just pray over him and, and do that? So he said, well, obviously it's gonna be kind of tough for me to get there, but I will, I'll, I'll do it. So it actually took him two hours to get to the hospital that was only 30 miles away. So he gets there and walks in and he says, what, what's this guy's name? And the nurse says, it's Tom, his name is Tom. So he walks in and he's like, hey, Tom. And Tom's like, I know why you're here. I know I'm dying. I know it's my fault. Can you just pray and get it over with? He's like, wow, okay, Tom. So he prays for Tom and he gets done praying and he says, Tom, would it be okay if, if you really feel like that tonight is your last night, would it be okay if I led you in a prayer and you, you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? You know, I can come and pray for you, but in the long run, that's not going to do what needs to be done. Would, would you want to pray? He said, absolutely not. It's not an option. He's like, I don't want to pray. He was like, what I will do is I, I've lived a really lonely life. I've lived an isolated life. I've lived put away, and I've, I've been an alcoholic, and so I haven't had much fellowship, haven't had many people to talk to. So, Father, what I would like for you to do in the next few hours that I'm here, if you would just visit with me. And so Father Malley was like, absolutely. So they visit and they talk about hunting and they talk about the, the things that they have seen. They talked about the storm that was outside, that they were both older and they had only seen a few storms that had come through this bad. And, and they kind of caught up and it had been a few hours and, and Tom was having a much harder time breathing. And so Father Malley says, are you sure, are you sure that I can't pray with you? It, it would mean a lot to me. Um, if, if, I, if we could do this and you would accept Christ. And he says, I did something when I was 24 years old that was so bad, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I've never forgiven myself. God wouldn't forgive me. And I deserve eternity and life being miserable because of what I did. And so Father Malley says, well, why don't you tell me about what happened? Why don't you share with what? And he was like, well, since that night, I've never spoken about it, but since I'm here at the end, maybe it'll make me feel better if I tell you what happened. He says, I was 24 years old, and it was a storm a lot like this, and I was working the railroads, and he said, and I, we had all been drinking, knowing that there wasn't going to be a lot of through traffic because 
the storm and he said I had had way too much and he was like but I was young and I was stupid and I was really intoxicated and so it came time to go out and pull the lever and instead of getting in the right cart and doing what I was supposed to do I went out and I pulled the lever by hand and he said and I pulled it the wrong way the arm crossing didn't go down I went back in and didn't realize that it hadn't done the right thing and a car was hit on the railroad tracks and it had a mom and a dad and two daughters in it. And he was like, it is 100% my fault. I, I killed it, it was because of me. And he said, so I don't deserve forgiveness and I don't think God would forgive me. Now, mind you, this is a true story, true story. Father O'Malley looks back at Tom and he says, well, you're never gonna believe this. He said, but I know that God can forgive you. He said, because Tom, that was my mom and my dad and my two sisters. And he was like, and you know what, Tom? I forgive you. And he was like, and if I can forgive you, then God has no problem forgiving you. And so when we walk around carrying guilt and shame, it's like a merry-go-round for the enemy. It's like his playground. And, he, and Christ says, no, no, no. If anyone is in Christ, he says, you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. I came when I knew you were still a sinner and I knew all of your shortcomings. And so anchor yourself to that, Paul says. Let that be what your soul is anchored to. And now his word, when you know it and you live it, becomes a truth that is a lamp unto your feet and it's a light into your path. And we don't have to have young people that are going astray and losing their way and they're swayed by what they wanna be this way and what they wanna be the other day and everything's tossed around. That's not their reality because the reality is God's word is true. His word is true. The third I know that Paul has is this. Jesus is everything. Everything. Everything you are not, he is. Every area that you are weak, he is strong. Every area that you don't feel like you measure up, he is more than enough. In every area as a husband that you fall short, he can take you the distance. In every area as a parent, he is enough. In every marriage that feels like it's hard and it's broken, Jesus is enough. In every addiction and depression and every struggle, he is enough. You know, on the cross, Jesus said this, it is finished is finished. Like I, I have done everything that I need to do to be enough for you. He is enough. And so you ask me this morning, you're like, well, Meg, I get it because I, I too, I, I mean, I would love to say that in my roughest moments and in my dark seasons, that I just, I don't get all over the place in my thoughts and my emotions. I would love to tell you that in, in, a, in a moment where I was sitting in prison like Paul and I had been beaten and I had given my life for Christ, but yet this was still happening to me, the storm felt big, that I would be able to say, oh, all things are gonna work together for the good. I have so much hope. I know, I know, I know, I am convinced. But maybe you're thinking, I, I'm new at this or, or this is not, that's not my journey. That's not where I am, Megan. I would really love to be so anchored and have rocks that kept, kept me that sturdy, but I'm just not quite there. My faith isn't quite that big. So what do I do with that? I want what Paul has. I don't wanna have a shifty soul. 
but I'm not quite there. I mean, have you ever gone through something and then you get on the other side and you look back and you're like, why did I do that? I knew, I knew all of that. If I had sat down in a counseling session, I could have told somebody exactly what not to do, but then I did it. And so we get so frustrated with ourselves. But how do, I, how do I not have that happen? How do I have my spirit be so anchored to these I knows? I want that kind of faith. And I'm going to end, we're going to do a song, and I, we're going to have a worship moment. And what I want you to do during this worship moment is I want you to take whatever you do have in your basket, and I want you to bring it to Jesus. Because he will take the faith you do have and he, he will multiply it. He will make it enough. One day Jesus is preaching to a group of people and there's thousands of people. They say 5,000, but generally they only counted the men. So when you add women and children, it was probably a lot more than 5,000. And everybody's hungry. And so what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Well, this little boy brings to Jesus a basket and it has five loaves of bread and two fish. And you know what Jesus did with that basket? He multiplied it and he fed every person there. Let me ask you this, how many people sat in that teaching and knew that there was a need for food, but they knew they didn't have enough. And so they never even brought it to Jesus just thinking, I don't even have enough. Don't sit here and go through life just thinking, that's not me. I'm not Paul. I don't have that much faith. I don't really know God's word that good. Bring what you have to Jesus and watch him be enough. Watch him take your fishes and loaves, your little bit, and feed all. Paul probably had no idea that this many years later that you and I would be talking because he brought what he had to the table and let God use it. So in this moment of worship, whenever God's presence comes into this room, what I want you to do is I just want you to say to the Lord, Lord, I want you to take what I have and I want you to make it immeasurably more. Your faithfulness, your faithfulness is so great and I, me of ye of little faith, would you ground me in a hope where I'm not a victim to this, where I'm not a victim to the storms? And then here's what happens when that happens. As now we're so rooted and grounded in who Jesus is, our soul is anchored, no matter what comes my way. And it might be hard and it might be tough and I might struggle, but the storm doesn't move me because the hope that I have now, the storms become something of an assurance to myself. Now, when I see the storm on the horizon and I live it out and I walk out on the other side and you know, like after a storm when the water is so beautifully calm, now you're sitting there and you're looking at it and you're like, again, God, Again, even in the toughest of circumstances, you were enough. Your word was true and you were good. And now you do that over and life storms become something of an assurance of who he is instead of something that moves you like the rest of the world. It becomes a part of a testimony inside of you that you know what you can stand on and a testimony to other people where they're like, there's something different. So I just want us to worship and ask God, God, would you increase our faithfulness? Holy Spirit, would you come this morning? And just like the little boy with a really small amount, would you take what we bring because we're willing and because you are enough? And God, in your presence, would you just multiply our faith? Would you help us to believe how big you really are. 
Would you help us to see the potential and the purpose that we have, Father God? We worship you and Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you come and would your faithfulness multiply our faith? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship for a minute. Hey, would, would you guys do me a favor really quick? We didn't, I didn't do this in first service, but I just feel super prompted by the Lord. If, would you guys just close your eyes? Would everybody just close your eyes and bow your head for just a second? Um, I just want to give anybody in the room an opportunity if you would say, um, Megan, I, I think all that's great, but I don't know that even the whole concept of asking Jesus in my life that you talked about in the beginning and him coming in my, my life and giving him this control, I, I've never really tied my rope up to who he is, much less believed what he says about me. Or, And so if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, kind of like Father O'Malley with, with Tom, if, if there's anybody in here in you, and I'm not going to embarrass you in any way I'm, at all, I just want to know if there's anybody in the room, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to ask, is there anybody in here right where you are, if that's you and you'd say, Meg, I'd like to tie up my life just to who Jesus is. If that's anybody in this room, would you just, right where you're sitting, would you just lift your hand? And if there's anybody online, um, you as well, we'd love if you're online for us to be able to reach out to you if you want to comment in the comments or send us a message. But if there's anybody in the room, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Just, just enough. There's a lady and a gentleman over here. I see both of you guys on the left. Right here in the back. anybody else right here on the second row here in the back in the balcony two in the balcony I just want to tell you that it's something that is going to change your life forever that feeling of knowing that you're tied up to the good, good God that created you and that no storm can move you and that you'll spend eternity with him. This is what I want you to do right here, ma'am. Um, you guys can put your hands down. I just want you to say this. For, I'm just going to say a prayer and I just want you to say this in your heart. This is your prayer. Just, just say, Father God, would you come into my heart? And would, would you forgive me of all my sins and all my mess ups? I accept your forgiveness. I accept what you did on the cross for me. Would you wash me clean? And would you give me hope? Would I tie up to who you are? And I, I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's take a minute and celebrate that. Um, if you got, if you made that decision, we would love to chat with us. Don't feel obligated, but if you would find one of the pastors or one of the guest service team and share, we'd love to chat with you, get you a Bible, and get you in the next steps. Um, what I love about being grounded and at hope with Jesus is that it gives me so much hope for our next generation. Can y'all just agree with me for that? When I look over at him and I, I mean them, and I think about having children and, and all of the world wants to tell them, I do love, I just wanted to say that, that thank you for being a church that focuses so much on our next, it's really scary and scary the stuff that's fed to our children. And so to be able to know that we're at a place where the word of God is our truth and it's gonna be the hill we choose to die on and it's, we'll fight for it and want. So just thank you for being that. And I bless you this week. Uh, whoa, whoa, I've got one other thing I can't forget. Uh, God's 
Did, in, when we're worshiping and you're in God's presence, isn't it fun how God just shows up and he multiplies? He does. And he's, he's, he's 100% of the time faithful. So what our worship team did is they took one of those songs that they did and redid, and they put a worship video to it. And so today is the release of that. So you guys get to download that. You get to have it. And so you can download it. So take a look at this, and then it'll show you how you can get it afterwards. Take a look at this clip. One of the things that Luke and I do every morning before we wake up the kids, we put YouTube on the TV and we put worship music on. So the whole house, that's kind of our, that's the way we start. Everybody wakes up to that. So I love the fact that I'm going to be able to put our worship team on there. So go to Spotify, go to YouTube and get that. Um, I bless you this week. I bless you with knowing this, that um, it is not what you do and it is not what you don't do. It is who he is. A hundred percent of the time, he is enough. And that is our truth. So may the Lord keep you and bless you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. I bless you with an incredible week. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.